Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the Arctic Circle to the Mediterranean, Europe's politics are moving to the right. The many right-wing fringe parties crossing the 3% threshold needed to get into Parliament, that is a serious development for the Greek political scene tonight. And even had solutions such as to send illegal migrants to uninhabited Greek islands. Parties once regarded as being extreme are getting into power in countries like Finland and Greece. Spain seems likely to elect the hard-right Vox party into power. Vaya golpetazo que hemos dado al socialismo y al comunismo en Extremadura después de 40 años. Italy has of course a prime minister whose political ancestry goes back to the fascist era. Georgia Maloney says she's a democrat but her views on many issues remain trenchant. Marine Le Pen's National Rally Party continues to attract massive support in France. Qu'avez-vous fait lorsque vous avez laissé prospérer l'ignorance de notre culture, l'hostilité à l'égard de l'autorité légale de l'État? And even in Germany, the radical right-wing alternative for Deutschland is on the rise. Why is the unthinkable happening? How extreme are these parties? And could democracy itself be under threat? Here with his expertise on all of this, I have politics academic and electoral guru, David McCann. David, once again, you're very welcome to The Bell Tell. For people maybe listening in who aren't as maybe infatuated with politics as you and I, what do we mean when we say far right? Well, the far right is an interesting movement. They really do play on what we call populism in uh, politics. And populism is basically a, a mix of different policies from right and left. So whilst uh, the far right will tack um, very conservative on cultural issues and immigration, they would take what we would identify as a right wing stance. On many economic issues, they would actually tack more to the left. So, for example, they would be critical of globalization. They'd be critical of free trade. They'd be critical of bodies like the European Union, for example. Um, uh, so, so it is that mix, and that and that is what we tend to call populist politics. It's something that basically 
would be a mix of right and left and it would be a mix of um, of different policies that would maybe appeal to quite often what the far right will call the forgotten parts of the electorate. So people who maybe worked in old industries, people who maybe worked in um, uh, in old sectors of the economy, people who feel like they've been left behind. So that's what so that's what we mean when we talk about far right. So conservative on culture and immigration, but maybe a wee bit more left of centre on economic issues. I suppose that's an interesting point, though, when you say when you when you, when you frame it in, in in terms of populism, because you know when a journalist sticks a mic under certain people's chins, and we we kind of accuse them of being far right and or radical right or hard right or extreme right, they always say no. I, I'm just a normal person with views on immigration. Are are we using a term that which people don't describe themselves as? Yeah, well, look, I mean, very few politicians on the far right describe themselves as far right. They will describe themselves in some cases as nationalist. They will describe themselves sometimes as uh, as patriot. They describe themselves as populist as well. Uh, that's how they would typically talk about themselves. Very few politicians actually uh, really identify as the far right, even though a lot of their um, electoral um, policies would, would would very much fit into that spectrum. So what, what, what the far right have really tried to do over this last really 15 years is do, do, do what we call a, a strategy of normalization, detoxification. And we've seen this predominantly in France with Marine Le Pen. She really is someone who most far right leaders around Europe uh, look to as an example because she has taken the the Enfant National or the National Rally, as they're called today, from really the fringes of French politics to really becoming a, a mainstream electoral force, uh, even though she has never been elected president of France in every single presidential election that she has run in. She has upped the the, the, the National Rally score. She took around 42% of the vote at the last French presidential election, which is a far cry from the 18% of the vote that her father achieved in in 2002. So, 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 so it really is that strategy of detoxification and mainstreaming their policies um, that, the, that most far-right parties are going for. I suppose, and it's a question I'd like to get out of the, uh, out of the way, and it's, it's related to the point you've just made about this detoxification. I mean, this toxicity relates to, well, basically it relates to World War II, the aftermath of World War II and the politics which led up to World War II. I mean, for example, the Freedom Party in Austria was literally formed by someone who was in the SS. Uh, Giorgio Maloney's ancestry, as I put it in the introduction, leads back to the Italian social movement and, and, and the aftermath of World War II. It's almost amazing that these movements exist at all. Yes, but you know, I suppose it's 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 an instance of time because after obviously um, World War Two, I mean, Germany went through a process of what was called denazification. Um, Italy as well went through a process of dealing with its fascist past. But then what happens is is time moves on, um, perspective changes. Um, you will get politicians who kind of do a nudge, nudge, wink, wink type thing. You know, Mussolini's era wasn't really all that bad. Or, you know, did they or did did insert whatever fascist dictator you want? Did they really have it all bad? In Spain, you've you referenced in your introduction there, um, there's currently a general election going on in Spain. And there are people on the right of politics in Spain who will look back to the Franco era and talk about it in positive uh, tones and in positive ways. They will they, they will talk about the positives of his time in power. 
are. Um, uh, so uh, it, I, I think it's more just a time issue. Uh, the further you get away from an event, the more those memories fade. And the more, um, if you're feeling a bit disenchanted, um, you may look back to history, to, to what you may think is simpler times. And that's very much what the far right do um, in many different countries around the world. Uh, they, 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 they hark back to, to to what they perceive as a better time and that's why you often see far-right symbols uh, or slogans about being taking something back moving back stopping change in this different area it's always a hark back to to a better time uh, that existed in the past and would you say that's one of the drivers behind this growth uh and i mean we can go through almost every country in europe if not with the possible exception of the Republic of Ireland and see this electoral growth in terms of this right-wing politics. You you have identified this kind of reactionary instinct that things were better back then. Let's try and get back there. Yeah. Uh, look, ultimately, I think this is really just the overflow of 30 years of massive economic change. Uh, the Western economies have become much more globalised. And what, and what does globalisation mean? It means basically that... Um, that trade is much freer, goods flow much freer, people flow much freer. And what that has done is that has seen lots of traditional industries, particularly in Western Europe, um, move. I'm talking about manufacturing. I'm talking about, you know, car making, steel making, big industries. We have seen those across Europe, across Western Europe, largely go by the wayside. And why is that the case? Because those jobs have moved to lower wage economies. There are countries that can do those jobs much more cheaply um, than before. And that has left a lot of people feeling very disenchanted. That has left a lot of people in some some uh, European economies. Um, they've had chronically high unemployment, and it's mostly in these demographics, even in the UK, in the north of England, for example, you will see this um, this disenchantment um, out there. So I, I think that's essentially what, what we're looking at. People who feel very much left behind, people who feel very much ignored um, by the political system as globalisation has kind of been entrenched and gone forward. Um, and the other thing that's been mixed in with that has been immigration. Uh, we have seen, particularly with the formation of the single market, and as European integration um, has continued since the early 1990s, we have seen um, a, a, an uptick in immigration, particularly in Western European economies. Um, now, again, um, uh, you could, you, again, the far right will make an argument that, that this is undermining uh, both the cultural um, aspects of, of nations, but also the economic aspects of nations as they as they play to people who feel feel that economic disenchantment. And, you know, it's always, you know, the far right typically always have a boogeyman or a woman uh, to be able to point to. And, you know, and, and they can point to to immigrants as the reason why you can't get a house, you can't get a job or why the economy is maybe faltering in that way, even though actually most economic analysis and statistics show that immigration is is a net positive um uh, for, for 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 economies and for economic growth but uh, but the far right play plays that narrative of of lack of resource it's amazing the country i i know best in europe is italy italy as you say you you mentioned immigration italy has an aging population a very rapidly aging population a very low birth rate and yet they look across and and no one admits voting for a right-wing party. Everybody votes for Partito Democratico, the former Communist Party, uh, yet and their, their, their support has, has fallen dramatically. But they look to a country like France and say, I think they just think we don't want multiculturalism. I don't think that that's something which people openly admit, but the ballot box is secret. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think one of the interesting things is over the last 10 years is that more and more people are admitting to voting for those parties. One of the things that actually has struck me watching the general elections in Spain, Germany and in France is the amount of people who will openly go to these rallies. I mean, they used to be something, as you were pointing out there, Karen, this used to be something that you quietly did. You, you kept those ideas to yourself. But more and more people now are feeling much more comfortable. I mean, I was shocked in 2022 watching the French presidential election and the amount of people who were walking up to Marine Le Pen, getting selfies with her and, and the, the, the massive crowds she was drawing across um, across France. Same thing in Spain uh, with Vox. They're getting decent numbers of people to their rallies, people openly um, identifying as Vox voters and supporters as well. And, and and you've been mentioning Italy there as well. There is some hesitancy out there amongst the uh, amongst some people to identify um, that they that they do vote for the far right. But that is falling uh, in comparison to, to, to certainly where it was 10 years ago. People are now much more open that they support these parties. And that goes back to my earlier point. These parties have done a pretty decent job of mainstreaming their policies to make to 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 make this idea that their policies are mainstream, and and they've done that they have done they have done some work in moving in moving their policies much more out into 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 the open and to make it more acceptable uh, to back them. One of the things I think that the right does, and correct me if I'm wrong. But they do seem to attract support from very different classes, from in very working class areas and some middle class areas. Is is that due to is that just the nature of populism? Well, yeah. I mean, it, one of the one of the the interesting things that we've actually seen across Europe is the amount of young people, eighteen to twenty four year olds, who are actually voting for these parties. Um, they're actually doing a pretty good job of actually appealing to the youth. Um, uh, they are doing a good job. Of actually, you know, uh, taking taking support from working class people, taking a bit of support from middle class people, although although that is much less, um, uh, and they typically don't do very well with very wealthy people um, in, in in most European economies, uh, because don't forget, much of the far far right policies, economic policies, are left of centre, um, and would be seen as a threat to kind of the globalised kind of order that has. That is that is sustaining um, many upper class people in in most European Western European economies certainly um, to this day. But they're doing a good job of actually bringing in working class people and and lower middle class people as well. Because again, these are the demographics in society that are really under the pump economically. Um, typically, it is the part of the population that will. That is more acute to uh, cultural insecurity as well. So people who may have a bit more of a fear of immigration for maybe reasons of employment. And again, look, quite often those fears are not actually founded in reality, but they're but they're fears nonetheless. And again, the far right do a very good job of actually pointing out the failure of the political establishment, as they call them, the mainstream centre left and centre right parties of actually providing any answers um, to these questions. The Italian right has handed fascism over history for decades now unambiguously condemning the suppression of democracy and the ignominious anti-Jewish laws. And equally, unambiguous, of course, is our condemnation of Nazism and communism, the latter being the sole totalitarian ideology of the 20th century that still is in power in some countries, surviving its tragic failures, and that the left has a hard time condemning perhaps partly because it has received generous founding from the Soviet Union for decades. 
You are a politics lecturer, so uh, let me ask quite a theoretical question. You know, uh, I've always been fascinated by the fact that the far right and the far left often find themselves aligned. I think the famous example uh, would be the war in Ukraine. If I wanted to find support for the Russian cause, I would find that in the far right and the far left. Is it a spectrum? Is it a horseshoe? Or is it even a compass, David? Well, they overlap each other on many of the economic questions. That's one of the reasons why, you know, people like, for example, people who voted for Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who is the far left candidate in France, France on Soumise movement. And there was actually, uh, uh, it wasn't, it was nowhere near a majority, but there were, but there were um, a, a decent number of his supporters voted for Marine Le Pen in the second round. Um, and, you know, people who were maybe stumped, maybe if you were supporting Bernie Sanders and you went off and voted for Donald Trump. Um, one of the reasons why is they largely say the same things on economic issues. Now, on cultural issues, they are miles apart. That, that That's the real departure point between the far left and the far right. But on economic issues, they're, you know, for example, whether it's on the retirement age, uh, halting globalization, you know, raising taxes or something like that on, on social benefits. Many far right candidates will run on increasing social benefits like pensions and things like that, running on fixing prices, for example, nationalization as well. Many far right candidates, believe it or not, will support nationalization in, in different in different sectors. So if you're a far if you're on the far left, and if you're willing to maybe park some of your concerns around cultural uh, cultural issues with the far right. You know, the, 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 some of those candidates are, are a natural home for you and, uh, and some of their worldviews are natural homes for you. Um, so, again, I think that's where the overlap is. It's on those economic issues. Uh, and if, maybe people look at these issues and it's how they feel at the time. And if you're not emotionally invested in a certain ideology or party, you can easily move to another one. Yeah, and look, ultimately, they, they, these voters will move around. You know, there are people, for example, um, who are voting for the far left and far right, who've maybe um, uh, who've maybe shifted around on that on those issues. You know, maybe maybe you voted for Dailinka, for example, in Germany, which is the far leftist party, particularly in Eastern Germany, the former communist part of Germany. And many of those people, uh, some of those people, have migrated over to the AfD, the Alternative for Deutschland, which would be regarded as a far right party. So people, so so there are voters again. They're just annoyed, Karen. You know, they, this is a section of people that are annoyed. They probably voted for centre-right parties, centre-left parties. Maybe they've gone to the far left and maybe now they're dabbling with the far right. So, again, they, these are these are just disenchanted, disillusioned voters who are just looking for an answer to maybe a problems that have existed for them for maybe over 10 years. And, and they're just not getting the answers. But say, for example... If you look at, a, at a, the spectrum of political support in Italy, there's very little red or pink left on it now. But if you go to somewhere like Twitter, you see that young people are animated by climate change, by the anti-war movement, by the cost of living crisis and by the various causes of, of progressivism. Um, you would think that this is the left moment and yet they just don't seem to have an answer to this. No, I mean, the, the centre-left parties uh, are struggling. Um, across most of Western. I mean, for example, the Socialist Party in France has all but disappeared. Um, they they won the presidency in 2012 and won an overall majority in the French uh, National Assembly. And now they're a wrong party um, now in France. Um, uh, the, the the Social Democrats are back in power in Germany, but they've been in a much weakened form. You know, that they, 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 they're not the strong 
uh, party that they once were. Uh, Pessoa in Spain, for example, is struggling in the polls at the minute um, in 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 Spain, but the, uh, as the governing party, um, I think look j- just in essence, look political establishments, um, uh, you know, the the mainstream centre left, centre right parties are just struggling in times of economic want, and the problem is is that. We've had 15 years of real economic uncertainty from the global financial crisis right the way through to the war in Ukraine and the inflation crisis that we're having at the minute. This is gripping everywhere. And again, you know, the the, the mainstream parties have not been very good in actually getting concrete narrative and concrete answers to those questions as well. Because as you've identified earlier, um, um, uh, Karen, you know, those are broad ten parties trying to appeal to broad sections of the population. And the other mistake that they sometimes make is that the far right have been very successful in getting many mainstream centre left and centre right parties to follow their agenda on cultural issues, um, uh, which is quite fascinating. You know, if you take a look at France, if you take a look at Germany and Italy, and in places like Holland, for example, um, many mainstream parties have have followed the narrative and the tone set by the far right on immigration and cultural issues. Um, so the far right have been have been successful in setting the agenda um, on those issues and getting the mainstream parties to follow them. In this decade, our nation has experienced an unprecedented social and economic decline, with a progressive deterioration of public finances the quality of life of citizens, and the competitiveness of our businesses. With the left in power, the state has turned hostile to citizens and businesses, increasingly violating individual liberties. Yes, freedom. Freedom is for us the most precious wealth. This compass guides our historical judgment. I mean, maybe we're having this deep conversation. Maybe it is all just about immigration in the end of the day. Because I just think you've, you've concentrated quite a bit on economic issues and people's uncertainties. Uh, but so often when I'm talking to people, at the end of the day, when you strip it all back, the immigration issue is huge. And it's huge throughout Europe. It's a huge issue in Germany. It's a huge issue in in Italy. It's a big issue. Immigration is a big issue. Now, the only thing I would say about the far right is the far right previously did run very hard on immigration and they had some very extreme policies on immigration. And again, this goes back to my detoxification point. Um, Many of the far right parties have, um, have changed their tone on immigration. So, for example, they, you know, it, it wouldn't have been uncommon 25 years ago to hear a far right party talk about deportation of um, of um, of immigrants from um, from countries. Uh, very few far right parties actually talk about that anymore. They talk about halting new immigrants coming in and basically doing uh, and basically setting up processes to 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 do that as well. Um, uh, so immigration is definitely an issue for many people, but that is linked to an economic insecurity. You know, many people who who would fear immigration uh, do fear it on on economic grounds rather than racial grounds. I mean, there are. I'm not gonna. I think it would be naive to suggest that there isn't racist overtones in 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 the way some people perceive immigration, and that is certainly true. But for many others, though, and this is where the far right have grown 
their their electoral pies over the last 10 years is that they're tapping into people who have concerns with immigration around economic issues and that and that, and those are the people who can be won back those are the people who can be won back to mainstream uh, politics and away from the far right so the people who dislike immigration for racist issues um those people were with the far right anyway and that was back when the far right were maybe if they got around 10 or 11 percent of the vote they were doing well in a national election but this is about winning back those people who are getting the far right to maybe 18 19 20 21 percent of the vote which is getting them which is making them competitive for power in many different um, European countries around, uh, um, uh, around the continent. I was fascinated by Georgia Maloney taking what I considered quite a left-wing stance. She, uh, she blamed France for immigration and France's colonial uh, policies in Africa. It's it's continuing policy of neo-colonialism in, in Africa and she made the point, well, look, people wouldn't be coming if France hadn't messed up Africa in the first place. Now, I don't know how serious we can, you know, that's a whole different podcast or many, many podcasts, but it is interesting that that's, that's the stance she took. And, and I suppose the question I'm asking, are the riots in France, are, are they just everything Marine Le Pen always wished for? I think I, I think absolutely uh, the far right absolutely do capitalize on these um, on these different issues and um, they do capitalize on on these different um, approaches uh, as well um, and I think this is largely due to to a failure of kind of mainstream parties to actually properly have conversations about immigration and actually take on policies that integrate many migrant populations into um into it into the country as a whole you know quite often we talk about ghettoization as if as if this is the fault of migrants but quite often it's literally because they're actually just forced into those situations you know because because mainstream governments have not actually taken the policy decisions to actually integrate uh, migrants into into society it's quite it's quite often very much easier just to put them in different sections of suburbs of cities and you know so so quite often this actually isn't the fault of the migrants coming it's the fault of the of the governments who haven't actually taken the policy decisions um, and also had the grown up conversation with the um with the with the country about the benefits of of immigration and also about maybe uh, some of the policy uh, decisions that that, the, that that will be needed, you know, because you, you were referencing it earlier. You know, most Western European economies are getting older. Um, uh, Who is going to pay the the taxes for the pensions and for the benefits um, uh, for, um, for 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 old age pensioners and for the health service? Uh, quite often, that's going to have to fall on on getting uh, new people in to pay taxes and to work in the economy, and and that will mean um, uh, more immigration in the future, not less. There is a lot of variety of cro- across the European continent, and uh, so it's a big question. But I am going to ask you: Could you? What do you think the trends are going to be in terms of the the hard right in the elections coming up in Europe? Do you think we're going to they're going to solidify? Do you think they're going to grow, or could the left somehow rally? Uh, they could do. Look, one of the things about political uh, trends at the minute is that they um, is that they. Are, are so movable, you know. The, the uh, you, you you never say never. I mean, I remember um, people saying uh, the the Socialist Party in Spain were done like dinner. Yet they came back into government in 2018 and they won the subsequent Spanish election uh, that came after it. Now they're they're, they're trending down again um, as well. Um, but people 
People said the UK Labour Party, my goodness, were they ever going to win again? Boris Johnson looked unassailable in 2021. And now look at where we are. They've got uh, they've got the the all all time slim lead of 16 points in the recent polls um, as well. So, look, we, we 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 never say never. We don't know what's around the corner and we don't know what's down the track economically uh, either. So, you know, who knows? It'll be it'll be something to um, it'll be something to look out for in the future. But but, but you definitely never stay never. Um, you know there the, there's no evidence that there is a cap on the support that the far right can get. But equally, there's no evidence to say that they can't fall back again. You know the 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 far right have risen up and down in many different countries around Europe. So there's nothing to say that that in places where where, where the far right are doing well that they can't fall back. Um, you know uh, the, the the politics is volatile, and the far right support is anchored to one of the most volatile parts of the electorate. So again, if they don't deliver. Um, on their policies, you know, the, the, those voters will be looking for uh, for for new leadership in other parts of the political system. Well, you mentioned the electorate. When we look at some of the ancestry of some of these parties, can we say that none of the how can I say it? the mainstream far right parties in Europe now, the mainstreamized far right parties, are, are, none of these parties or are they a threat to to democracy? You see, the issue is, is that we haven't really seen what they've been able to do with serious power. And what do I mean by that is quite often far right parties are the junior partner in a coalition or they are in a multi-party coalition where they have to work with other parties to get things done. They haven't had absolute power. That was always the reason why people always wonder, well, why does Marine Le Pen get so much attention? Because if she gets elected, if she ever got elected president of France, that would be her largely for five years. The, the French president is in an immensely powerful position where she could execute huge amounts of her policies without real, without any real touchstone to stop her. Um, so one of the things about European democracy that we should really be thankful for is that typically there are multi-party coalitions. And quite often we've seen that when the far right do get into power in many of these different coalitions, if they're the junior partner or they lead a coalition, it doesn't really work out very well. They typically collapse or one of the other parties walks out. And um, so so quite often it, that, that's often the safeguard um, that is there. But we haven't actually seen where they've got an absolute power system where they're able to get an overall majority in a parliament to be able to just put through their policies. Quite often they have to compromise with with some other parties um, and they quite often act as a break on some of their ideas. When I was at university, and it was quite a while ago, it was uh, what is described, I think, as the end of history period. We thought that politics had been solved for most of the world, and yet it always continues, David. Change always happens, even if it happens very slow. Yeah, Francis Fukuyama's uh, quote has got a has got a good workout uh, since the end of the Cold War. Um, uh, look, change is always possible. I mean, look, who, who knew where where things have gone? I mean, over the last four years, there's just been so much change from the pandemic uh, through to the cost of living crisis, through to the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, it would be a fool who could say they know what's coming in the next four years. Maybe we're about to go into a period of economic calm after maybe two years of economic tumult. Um, but 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 we just simply do not know. And uh, and again, uh, the next few years in politics are going to be absolutely uh, critical, I think, in terms of where where we shape things. Don't forget, it was this time a century ago 
that fascism was just coming into power. Mussolini came in in 1922, then that was followed by uh, uh, Salazar uh, in Portugal, followed then by uh, Franco and then, uh, sorry, followed then by Hitler and then by Franco. Um, so again, it's 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 something um, that we that we hope we don't ever repeat ever again. You would like to think people have learned lessons from what happened 100 years ago. But again, it's just something that I think democratic governments have to do really guard against. I quite often think we do take our democracy for granted and we do take our democratic rights for granted in many different countries. And by the way, uh, no country is immune from this. I remember in 2017, people saying, oh, Germany, Germany didn't have a far right and look at them. And then people were very surprised by the 2017 German election results where Alternative for Deutschland came third um, in the election. So again, I know people say, well, these movements don't exist in places like Ireland. Just don't count your chickens before they hatch. These things can always crop up. David McCann, once again, fascinating to speak to you. Thank you, Kerry. This episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by George Sloan. The clips were from France 24, Vox, EU debates and the Parliament of France. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.